The thing that makes my marriage work is the commitment. And it's the same thing for acting. It's, and I mentioned before we started this whole thing to you guys, you know, one of the mistakes I made is I, I got focused on so many different things. And one of my regrets is I wish I would have just focused on acting. If I was committed to that one thing fully, I probably would have been farther along in my career now than I, than I am. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 240, we have part two of our Redux interview with actor Mark Atterbury. In part two, we discuss the relationship between race and type, what it means to, quote, have your dreams scratched. Haven't talked about that phrase in a while, huh, Trev? How more often than not, hard work outweighs talent. Ouch. And how there's no such thing as rules in this profession. Yeah, that's right. Prepare to have your noodle baked all over again, right here in episode 240. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. Hey, listeners, we've got uh, a very limited amount of time to do this episode, so we are going to be uh, humming along. Uh, good news is Trevor and I don't have a lot to report. Um, I went on a little bit of a vacation out in the wilderness, and I'm back. Trev? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing. Back to you, AJ. So we have a new member to uh, <laughs> to welcome uh, into the fold, uh, Sarah Bennett. It recently became a new member, joined the membership. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for uh, jumping in there. And uh, hopefully you are both finding and adding slash creating value for yourself uh, in the membership. Uh, I think that's it. Those are the top of show announcements. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we do have, it feels weird to have like, such limited time and and no news, but hey, it works. So let's jump into um, this question that we got uh, recently from a listener named Brett. Brett writes in and he says that uh, he's doing a, a play at a pretty good regional theater with with two stars, and he's the youngest person in the cast. And he also says that he feels like he's the worst person in the cast like the worst actor he said he's trying his hardest to just do his work be in the moment and have some damn fun but he can feel the glares and the whispers from the cast about how he's taking the play down a notch so do we have any advice um ouch 
Uh, first off, Brett, thank you so much for writing in and for your honesty and your candidness. I, I don't know an actor who has never felt this way. In fact, most actors I know feel like they are <laughs> they're always like working the very last job they're ever going to work. And everyone's going to discover that they're a fraud and they don't know what they're doing and they're actually an awful actor. So you are in, uh, let me put it this way, you are not alone. That said, um, I think there's a great opportunity here to kind of reframe um, your experience. Uh, My question, and I I actually responded to Brett via email sort of briefly, and um, my my kind of question to him was like, do you know for a fact that you're the worst actor in the cast? Do you know for a fact that the the other cast members are glaring at you and whispering about how bad you are? Or is this just one of those, you know, tricks that our egos play on us to knock us back into our comfort zone? So I'm wondering if there's like hard evidence for this or if this is just one of those things that we tend to do to ourselves as kind of sensitive artists. Um, and that said, I would, uh, I would, uh, my other sort of, uh, suggestions were to, if, if you do get, you know, feedback from, uh, the director and, and I should point out that you should only be taking feedback from the director, even if these are like high up big time actors and stars and stuff, number one rule in theater and really every kind of acting gig is that actors never direct other actors. It just doesn't happen. You, you, it's like a big faux pas. You don't do that. You don't take direction from other actors. You don't give direction to other actors. The director is the one who has the big vision, who can see things from the outside, who is shaping the, the story and the narrative and the production as a whole. So if you do get feedback from the director, um, do your best to take it and uh, constructively apply it. You, you actually uh, touched on both points that I was going to touch on, which is the first one being like, is it, is it, you know, how could you possibly know this for a fact? Or is it, you know, just the, the, your ego demons, right? The, the story that, you know, we make up about ourselves and then, you know, use, uh, evidence, uh, what is it called? Confirmation bias, right? When, when Mm, you think something is true and then we, we see the tiniest bit of evidence, we we're like, Oh yeah, there it is. That, that, that's it. There's, I knew it. I am the worst actor on the planet. Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, it really should be a conversation between you and the director. And I don't know if the director's, um, you know, no longer around because I know sometimes with uh, regional theater, a director will stick around the entire time. And sometimes they'll just, you know, it's opening night and they're like, I've done my work and they move on to the next thing. But it, it really should be a conversation between you and that person, whoever he or she is. Um, that, that's, that's the only person that you should be, you know, having this conversation with other than, you know, semi-anonymous, semi-anonymously writing into a podcast. (laughs) And I, you know, I will say this, I've, I've been in this situation. I've definitely been in the situation where I I remember specifically, I was a freshman in college and I was cast in a show. It's a small part in uh, the elephant man. But I was with these actors that were like gods to me. You know, I was like, oh, my God, these actors are incredible. I saw them in a show last semester. They were on a main stage show. This is my first main. You know, it was a big deal to me. And I remember feeling so inadequate and so untrained and unprofessional. And I just I had this like really like big inferiority complex. And I remember going to the director and saying, dude, I I really like I I feel awful. Like I just I, I need you to like tell me when I suck. I just like handle me with kid gloves. And, and he said, what are you talking about? You're great. 
He's like, you're doing everything great. He's like, I haven't needed to change anything. I think you're on point. You're pitch perfect. Like, just keep doing the work you're doing. It's a pleasure to have you on, you know, in, in the room on on set and everything. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So, the moral of the story is, it might be worth it, Brett, uh, or anybody listening in a similar situation, to proactively approach the director and just, you know, get vulnerable. Just be completely honest and be like, um, I'm kind of feeling this. Um, any anything? Any feedback for me? Anything that that you've noticed that, that that I can work on, and you know, again, chances are that you're absolutely fine. But um, I do want to mention also that Brett responded to the email that I quickly replied to him with, and he said, "Thanks for this. I'm going to go in there and have a blast." So um, uh, it sounds like uh, what we offered was a healthy thing to offer for him. So hopefully, yeah. And and you know, the, the other thing to keep in mind for Brett and anyone else feeling this way like you were cast for a reason like if you got the part guess what like you you've done like that the hard part's over you you know if you got the part you were cast for a reason and 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 very often it's because your look and your energy were right for that part you were energetically correct for that part and so sometimes it really is as easy as just showing up and being yourself in these imaginary circumstances Mm, i love that energetically right for the part that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, hope that helps, Brett. Um, let us know how it uh, unfolds, continues to unfold. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I'm Absolutely. glad, I'm really grateful for this question because this is, again, one of those universal things that I think we all experience is, as I said earlier, sensitive artist types. Mm. Um, and and we don't often talk about because, you know, there can be a little bit of shame around feeling this way. So thank yeah. you for opening up the conversation, Brett. Yeah. Yeah. And for being so vulnerable, right. It's a, it's a hugely vulnerable thing to do. So yeah. And that's kudos. what, that's what makes us artists, right? We, we, we're willing to go there. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, before we jump into, uh, our interview here or the second part or our second part of the Redux interview with Mark Atterbury, uh, of course, we've got to hear from our sponsor, Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors, which is now finally available on the iTunes app store. You probably heard us, uh, you know, waxing philosophical about this in the last episode or just, um, waxing praise really. Um, if you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices and do a whole lot more, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP. It's still up. The link still works right now to learn all about the great new features in the new version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. All right. Yeah, I can't... uh... I don't know of any actors actually at this point that don't have that app. <laughs> really? <laughs> Seriously? One, it's like a, it's like a it's like a completely overlapping Venn diagram. Yeah, like, pretty much. Knows, the, actors Trevor's know, yeah. and then act, of those actors, actors using or exactly the circles have completely merged. It's like a That's full funny. eclipse. Uh, yeah, awesome. So, all right, guys. Well, yeah, here we go. Part two of our long ago but still completely awesome uh, interview with Mark. Enjoy, and we'll catch you with open arms on the other side.
character, like I, I'm, I feel as though I am very ethnically ambiguous. Yeah. And because of that, I kind of go out for these different, you know, roles. Right. Is that? Can you? Is that? Is race compartmentalized from type? Is it separate it's from type? A, no, or it's is part it of it. Part of yeah, it. Yeah, it's part and, of it. And and if so, what's a guy like me to do? Like what? Well, remember in class, <laughs> we, when I gave the type things, there were some people that had all kinds of types were coming up, and then there were other yeah. people that had like two or three, and that was it. Um, everybody's a little bit different. Some people are just a slam dunk for a particular role. I mean, there are very few <clears throat> Brad Pitt types, but if you look like Brad Pitt, you're really going to be you're going to be more typecast. Then you and Brad fights that. You know, he doesn't like to be so typecast. Where you've got people that are more charactery that just play all kinds of different things. Um, so you need to find out where you're at. What I do in my classes when I have people that are a lot of different types, it's like basically here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus in on one or two or at the very most three for a little while. Just focus in on those and keep putting those out there. Find the things that you feel most comfortable with that you know you have been most cast at. And work with that for a while. Other people who it's a slam dunk, you know exactly what they are the second they walk in the door. Um, go with that because it's going to be easier to typecast you. But what you need to do is somebody who's a little more, as you say, ambiguous, is you need to find something and really nail it to the ground and get it out there. Billy Bob Thornton's a great example of this. I mean, he did that character uh, from Sling Blade in improv groups and comedy groups he was part of. And everyone loved that character. And he went, you know, that is kind of who I am in essence. And here I am, a dude trying to get indie films and doing all kinds of stuff all over the world because he is sort of ambiguous. He's a very plain and, and regular guy. Um, he focused in on things like that and just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And that's how he got to be Billy Bob Thornton, you know, by being so specific and doing something he knew he could nail. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah, it totally makes sense. But now I'm sitting, I'm going to be sitting here for the rest of the conversation thinking, what is that one thing? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, and this is where if you have a good demo tape, it really helps because you can see what people go, yeah, man, that's, that's just, that's the best role for you. That's the best role. You could do what I do too. I, I, cause I, I'm a little more ambiguous as well. I've got an interesting look, but I am sort of regular guy. I'm not, I'm not a Brad Pitt type, but because of that, I'm, and I have the freedom of doing different things. Um, I will ask people like, okay, if you were to cast me in a role or if you were to say, I'm going to write my own film and what role should I write for myself? Uh, what would that be? And just get a general consensus of what most people see you as doing. Again, I stay away from my family and my friends when I do that stuff, but my friends in the business and people that would have a, a good sense of things. Let me interject something totally off topic here that is, is one of the most fascinating things in life to me. Um, I worked with a guy, Dove Simmons. I, I had a real good money-making period uh, with the photography stuff, and I, had a, I bought a graphics design company, basically. Um, one of my clients was Dove Simmons, who does a two-day film school. And if you've not seen his ads, it's in a lot of production magazines and stuff. Dove is the greatest guy in the world. In two days, he teaches you literally everything you need to know and like all the secrets. I love this already. Oh, we, he, need, we need to put a link to this on our website. Oh, he's awesome. I love Dove. Okay. And he's just he's this crazy little Jewish guy that's just got this awesome attitude towards life. And he yells and screams and gets upset at himself. And people, <laughs> that's great. He's so entertaining. But that's awesome. Dove is like one of my favorite people I've ever worked with. And he just gets how to teach. So he's kind of a mentor in a way for me. But um, long story short, Dove was one of my graphic design clients. I did all his design for a while. And he had his great growth period. I mean, and I don't want to give away some of his secrets, but you know, his classes are $399. And he gets about 100, 100 people signing up um, every two weeks. And he does them all around the world. 
He's making a lot of money. I mean, he's making a lot of money. Right. So he thought, well, this is stupid. I'm telling people in my seminars, if you want to get a good price on film, if you want to shoot film, go to this distributor, ask for this deal. That's the deal that I know you can get. So, I mean, all of a sudden, he thought, well, this is stupid. I'm going to cut all the deals. I'm going to make an editing system. I'm going to put a studio together. I'm going to get a big building, and I'm going to make everything affordable for whoever wants to do it. Thinking, I've got all these students, and now they're going to spend all this money to do my 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 studio. And... Um, one percent of the people that took his classes took him up on the offer. Actually, went through with he it. He spent millions through. of dollars to wow. build this beautiful complex here in Santa Monica, and um, and stocked it and put the editing systems. Everything one percent came, and he realized he goes, you know, I, I learned a valuable lesson. People will pay four hundred dollars to have their dream kind of scratched. You think uh-huh. I can do it? I've got the info to do my dream, but they won't take the time and do the effort it takes to actually do it. So, and I apply that everywhere in life. And I find that in my own classes. I find that with my headshot clients, you know. So I, I try to talk about this stuff. It's like, do it, man. It's the people that do it are the ones who finally go on to huge careers. Yeah. So, it's such a great piece of advice. I feel, I feel like it's so simple. It's like just, it is. Just, it's, but it's so easy to, <clears throat> it's so easy to pretend that you're making progress yeah. by acquiring the knowledge. Right. But, but Napoleon Hill says it. He has a quote that says, true intelligence is measured by action or something yeah. like that. And yeah. I, that yeah. baked my noodle when I heard that quote. I was like, oh my God. That's awesome. You don't have to be very smart. You just yeah. have to do something. I just feel like so many <laughs> actors, that's how they spend all that money. You know, it's like we, we, we often talk about, Mark, on, on the podcast, we, we will often talk about like ways of not necessarily saving actors money, but telling them what not to go out and just, yeah. or to be very, just have a lot of discretion when they're going to spend their money. I feel like that's how they lose their discretion. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they're just like, if I give this guy $400, I'm going to be a, a, a star tomorrow. Yeah. You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right. I, I feel like that's how, yeah, so that's a great quote. Well, yeah, David Nutter. intelligence is... Measure by action or oh, something, something like yeah, that. So good. That's so good. awesome. Yeah. It's it's that the the integrity of just keep going after it that really matters. You want to be that one percent of people because uh, trust me, those are the people that are working in the industry. You know, those yeah. are the people that are doing it. Well, people you see, people you laugh s- at the Cardassians. I mean, it's just like, what do they do? They're just like reality. Like, I'm sorry, I, I know their editor very well. At the show, it's they work hard is what they do. They actually really do work hard to get their their show and their publicists and all that. Who cares if they don't? Well, I do. I actually am not a big reality <laughs> fan. Right. But, I mean, I give them credit because they're hard workers. They're part of that 1%, despite yeah. the fact they may not be banking on acting talent. Yeah. Well, you see yeah. it all the time in, on TV. I mean, you see I, – I know I watch TV and I see a lot of actors where I go, uh, yeah, they're not really doing what they need to be doing in that role. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not judging them. It's more just like a, it's more like a jealousy thing. It's more like I could be there. Yeah. But it's like they are part of the one percent that actually went through and followed through and did all these things. Just it's hard like you, you don't need to be the best of the best. You don't yeah. need to be the smartest of the smartest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, but you do need to be a super hard worker. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I do remember the thing David Nutter said anybody, that I was anybody can do that. <laughs> gonna mention by the way, he always says that the problem with most actors is they go to classes and seminars and and whatnot because they want to learn what the rules are, thinking if I just do the rules. Then I'll be famous. And there's no rules. And I always open my classes by saying that. It's like, first of all, don't pay me the money to take my intensive just to find out what the rules are. So you do step A to B to C to D to D and go, and then I make it. It's right. like, that's not it at all. Oh my God, you completely baked my noodle just now. I am like, wow, that is such a, a revelation. That's so good. Yeah. Don't yeah. just learn the rules. No man, focus Do something. Yeah, focus on the art and oh focus on the God. work. That's Part of the work so is business. Good. Part of the work is the art of acting. I mean, you just 
focus your time on those two things. So I good. Love it. Not I any love rules. It. Yeah. That's amazing. Don't. Oh man, that's what actors are spending their money on the rules. What are the rules? Yeah. And they do. Yeah. Wow. All the time. That's why I laugh. I like mean, as as wonderful as I think like SAG Foundation is, it really <laughs> is a phenomenal, phenomenal organization. I've taught there a lot of times, but I see a lot of the same people coming to class after class after class thinking, oh, I'll just take this free class and then I'll know. Oh, you I'll take, I'll take yeah. one more and then I'll know. You and, said it in your class. You said, don't become a professional student. Yeah. And I that that was another thing that yeah. baked my noodle a little bit. I was like, oh my God, so many actors just go because they feel like they're yeah, like, like you said, having their dreams scratched. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Oh man, like, your bank by scratched. noodle with Mark Atterbury. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, right, right. We have we have some various uh, I don't know catchphrases on the podcast, and that's that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that's great. Baking, getting your noodle baked. So um, <laughs> we unfortunately we're kind of getting to our time limit here, which okay. is, sucks because I want to keep talking for another couple hours about all this stuff because I know there's so much we could talk about, but we have. Um, Two questions that we'd like to ask our guests at the end to kind of wrap things up. Oh, we got a listener question? Yeah, we got a Great. listener question. And then, after, and then after the question, I also want to, if you could just kind of like summarize what it is you do for people yeah. and where they can find more about you and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so this comes from uh, our listener, uh, David Hafferty. Uh, it says, uh, Mark, from looking at your IMDb, I see that you uh, generally have a three-year break between projects, one project every three years or um, for about nine years. Um, so I guess he was probably looking back during that slow period you were talking right. about. Um, what kept you from not giving up? Uh, were you uh, bouncing around from agent to agent, trying to find the right match? Uh, was your personal life... Um, Shot? What Was your personal life <laughs> causing you to take breaks? Um, he said, I'm running on four years out here in LA and not finding my place yet. And I'm looking for inspiration. Well, the, I mean, the things we're talking about, just keep working is what I did. Um, IMDB is pretty much TV and film, uh, for the most part. What I did first is I did a ton of commercials. I mean, that's kind of where I <clears throat> cut my teeth. And, and like I said, then I got into voiceover and that actually was a, a very lucrative market for me as well. So that stuff's not going to be on IMDB. So what I did is I would take and refocus if something wasn't working, because I don't know why. I really haven't had much success at all on television, almost no success, until about three and a half, four years ago. Why that is, I really don't know. Maybe it was just my type was not working so much. I had some really nice breaks, but they never panned out. Um, like I did some pilots and things like that, but it just they never got picked up. Yeah. But for the most part... Um, my my advice to you is if you've been here for a while and you're not really getting the things that are on IMDb, what are you doing instead? If you're doing some great plays and getting some good relationships formed, which I did, I put a lot of focus on plays and getting relationships with casting directors who now remember me from years back because I did what not. Um, where's your attention now? Keep focusing on something you can do. So, I mean, it's a good question. And it, that's, I laugh because I, I, I even said this in your class. I mean, I look at myself now as someone whose hobby is acting. I don't really consider acting my profession per se, but it's more of an attitude thing for myself. I have to say it that way to myself because I don't want to be, you know, turning 50 going, I think my big break's right around the corner. Right, I just right. don't want to be there. Yeah. But that's why I branch out and do the other things. But I love acting. Like a dude who makes toy trains, you know, I'm so into toy trains. I'll spend every last penny <laughs> to get the next HO scale, you know, engine that comes out. Right. The same thing with acting. I mean, I, I'm, whatever's there, I'm going to focus in. And somehow that's all sort of paid off uh, on a television career recently. You know, last three and a half years, most of my stuff is television and a couple nice films. 
But that was not the case because it was focused on more commercials because that's what I was doing. More theater, which will never be on IMDb, mm-hmm. you know, and more voiceover, which is also not so much on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I hope that answers so, the question. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, I you mean, just got to keep think... focusing, man, on, on whatever work <clears throat> is out there. People think, you know, the sad thing about this world is they equate acting. It's just like, you know, you, you guys know when you go home, it's just like, so what have you done? If you're an actor, what have you done? How come I haven't <laughs> oh, seen you? Oh, God. Like, did, you have question. no idea what I've done. I've done like nine plays. I've done yeah. like, you know, yeah. 17 <laughs> short films. Two got into <laughs> festivals. Whatever it is, it's like, you know, yeah. that's what we do. We're all waiting for that right time, right place. Mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz said it. She goes, um, I knew that my career was going to be huge when someone walked up to me and went, oh my gosh, you're that girl from my best friend's wedding. Because everyone had always walked up to her before and go, do I know you? I think I know you because she had done little recognizable things. Mm-hmm. You're just waiting for that moment when that one thing kind of pops that puts you in the, in the limelight that everyone goes, oh, you were great in that. You know, that, right. that's when everything changes. So we're all just hoping to do that. Meanwhile, or here's the quote. I mean, Sam Jackson said, the actor's job is auditioning. Um, the fringe benefit of our job is we get to act. And I think that's absolutely true. Wow. You know, we spend our time trying to get auditions and getting our work out there and perfecting our craft where the real fringe benefit of what we do is we get to hacked. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. So, yeah, it's very true. I like that a lot. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I think I think on uh, one of my social networking profiles, I think it might be Facebook, where it's like, you know, it says profession and I have auditioner. Auditioner? Yeah, yeah. that's Auditioner awesome. Written there. That's or actually, awesome. we're, we've been trying in the, on the podcast the past few weeks to eliminate the word audition from our <clears> vocabulary <throat> in that yeah. context, as in I have an audition today. Yeah. And we're trying to replace it with the word meeting. I'm going to a meeting today. That's great. Um, yeah. Because it doesn't denote so much of a of a seeking validation kind of thing. It's right. more just like I'm sharing my creative ideas with you. Right. Um, you know, we're, well, Jack, we're working on it. If you guys know who Jack Plotnick is, I know the I, man. Wait, I, I recognize the, I know the man. man. Yeah, Jack's, Jack teaches around town. He's a, he's a great working actor and just has some cool things to say. He goes, when you go into a, an audition, he says, basically, think of it as either I've already got the role or I'm never going to get this role. I'm just going to go inside and kind of play with the casting director and see if I can come up with some new ideas with this character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those kind of transitions, I think, that make a big difference. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah. I got to get this job. I got to, you know. Right. And I do that. I, I walk in all the time now and just kind of like, eh, screw around with the casting director and see what we come up with. Yeah. You know, that kind of perspective change really helps. Yeah. yeah I mean, you yeah. can never believe that 100%. I'm still nervous and want the job, but the focus does change. It does make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. The yeah. inner game is so important with that stuff. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so little of it is about, like you said, the rules, you know? Yeah. How do you slate? You know, that kind of thing yeah. is important, but it's not like, you know, don't go to a class on how to slate. Yeah. Um, or do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Um, no, there's value don't to go it. To, don't there's go to value to don't it. Don't go to two classes. Yeah, don't go to two. Classes. That's what it is. Yeah. Don't don't keep relearning the the same rules. You know. Um. So, talk a little bit about uh, your class. Beaworkingactor.com is the uh, is the website. Yeah. Um. And we got so much just out of this this kind of this kind of seminar that you did at Actorfest. Yeah. But what? So, what is the curriculum? How long does it last? Well, What's basically, what I've been doing for several years with it is um, it, it's a it's a type intensive. And what that means is we're basically going to take and look at you and find out what types do you naturally fit into? How is the casting community going to see you? What's their first impressions of you? Um, what things are you just so naturally going to fit into you won't even have to try? And then once we've figured out what that is, we're going to find out what's unique about you and how we can we take those uniquenesses and plug it into those standard types that you're going to play come up with a way to brand you and to market you effectively and then have a nice business plan for you. Then the second half of the class, we're going to find out uh, 
are your are your acting skills um, where they should be? Do they correspond to your types? Because the problem is, is a lot of people come out here from community theaters, and they're they have a great look. They they're completely comfortable with themselves. They get how people see them, but then they try to play something totally different than who they really are as an actor because it's that community theater sort of feel. Sure. So sure. it's there's there's two segments to my class. There's the 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 first half about type. The second half about talent. And we, we make them kind of mesh so you become one nice big package. Um, there is a lot of evaluation that goes on too. Like where does your type fit in in this industry? Is it a type that works often or not very often? If it's not very often, then I really want you to be doing some great self-promotion stuff and some great uh, self-producing stuff. So suddenly people go, who is that person? We have to put that person in our, in our film or our TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, talent also. Is your talent at the level that it needs to be here in Los Angeles. Because, I mean, let's be really honest. This is the greatest actors in the world. It's the Super Bowl yeah, of acting. it is. Yeah. The greatest actors in the world do come here because this is where the bulk of the business is. Yeah. That's your competition. Are you at that level? Can you honestly compete with those people? Yeah. Because you better be able to. And if you're not at that level, I'll be really honest. Well, I'll be gently honest <laughs> and let you know, you know that there's a little bit of work that needs to be done. So there's some evaluation and there's lots of uh, typing that goes on. So we can send you out of the class with like, I know who I am. I know how the industry sees me. I know what the best avenue for me to go to advance my career, what it is. And I have some good, you know, nice tool set to go and, and attack that. Cool. Yeah. Does, it, does the class span several weeks or is it it's, like a It's a six or? week intensive. Okay. And I will say, come this new year, I've had so many people pushing me to kind of take it to other realms, especially the acting <laughs> realm. Because uh, the one thing casting people say over and over and over is, look, I want you to come in and just be yourself. And most people have no clue what that is when it comes to acting. But I totally talk about it in my class. But in six weeks, it's hard to cover that thoroughly. So I've been asked, and I have started uh, with some people, to do kind of like almost a scene study class. It's not your traditional technique scene study class, but it more is, you know, come in, be yourself. How do you do that? How do you act that? So I'm going I'm, to, I'm promising myself now, I'm going to uh, start doing more of those kind of things this coming year as well. That's great because you you said another thing. I I took like three pages of notes during your your actor fest cool workshop, and mm-hmm. you said something that really stood out to me. And actually, I was in a play at the time, and it really took I took that what you said and it kind of pushed my work in another direction <laughs> that felt much more honest to me. Right. And you said you said acting is autobiography. Yeah, and yeah. I decided like that night I had a show and I went and I was like I am not going to force anything today. I'm just exactly. going to go out there. And if I'm feeling tired, then I'm feeling tired. Yeah. And that's the way that character is going to be. And it, it just felt so good. It, it, I really think it was like, I talked about this a couple episodes ago, yeah. that I, I made a little breakthrough just based on that one thing you said. So yeah. I'd love to check out a, a, a more acting intensive well, it's, side of I, your I think I briefly work. hit on this in the, acting, in, the, in the class, but it's, there's three parts to acting. There's script breakdown, which is basically find out everything that's there, do all your research, um, know what you want, know what keeps you from getting it, all those kind of basic things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's personalization, like how do you make this real for you and personal for you, and then what do you personally have to bring to this? And the third part, which I'm telling you, 98% of the, 95% <laughs> of the classes in town, I don't know, um, don't even touch on this third part, which is... Let it all go. Trust that your work is there and just be yourself in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the key. I'm telling you, that's the key to all of the great people I work with, the great people I shot. The great, I mean, they just are. They just are who they are. They did all their work, so all that stuff will be there. They'll yeah. hit their marks. They'll say the words the right way. They're supposed to, you know, all that stuff. It, just, it, it all happens if you trust it. And then you can just enjoy being yourself because great acting is all about chemistry. It's me to you. 
That's what we watch films for. The script doesn't even matter anymore. It's just that the chemistry of the moment as you're saying these lines and hitting the marks you're supposed to be hitting. You know, it's it's that moment that we get riveted by. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard to teach that stuff. It's very difficult to focus on the work and then let it go entirely. Yeah. Like you said in your play. Yeah. I like to think that acting really is just people paying you to have an honest moment. Yeah. That's kind of really what it boils down to. It's really pathetically sad, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I think in that same uh, vein too, in that same conversation or that same part of your your workshop, you I think you you quoted someone else. I don't remember who it was, but it was something along the lines of um, "Great talent is being yourself in the room, on set, or on stage, yeah, and in it's life." A CA agent. Yeah. Um, and that was my desktop background on my computer. I don't, it, I, I don't, I didn't change it, but it, it has changed for some reason. So my computer's acting weird, but it was, it, it was my desktop background mm-hmm. for a long time. It's just, you know, black background with white lettering that said great talent is being yourself, you know, on stage, um, in the room and in life. And I, I, I said this on the podcast. I said this as well. That same conversation we were having, Trev said it on the podcast a couple episodes ago. And I was just like, if you boil that down. If you cut it down, it's great talent as being yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, it is. And, but, and that's the hardest thing, man. It's, yeah. And even class, we talk about this. It's like, <clears throat> how do you accept that you've been given everything you've been given for some kind of divine reason? You know, because everybody wants to be something else and they hate this thing about me. I also quoted David Nutter to say, David said, um, the thing you hate about yourself is probably what will make you the most money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's like the most profound thing to me. And he's absolutely right. It's like all these flaws I hate about myself are the things I keep getting cast for. <laughs> I don't want to go there. It's like, right. no, but that's the stuff that makes you the most money. That's, that's what we really get from you. That's funny. Yeah, but it's, it's so hard to accept this and just be comfortable with what we've been given. Well, people identify with flaws much more than they identify with perfection. Sure. I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean that's, the, the, that's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. So, wow. Wow, man. I wish we had another hour. Um, <laughs> This is like the slowest wrap-up time. I know, you said that like 16 minutes ago. We, we've had this happen before. We're like, we're going to wrap it up, and then another half hour later. Um, so, so what do you? How much? So, the six-week intensive for, yeah. the, for like the basic things. Yeah. I know you said you're branching off on other things, but but yeah. that core six weeks. What do you charge for that? It's uh, right now. It's three seventy-five. I'm, I'm working with a studio that's getting more and more expensive. So, mm. I mean, I want to keep things as cheap as I can for actors because it's it's tough. I know. I think that's we've all been there. I think that's a great, great deal. deal. No, three seventy-five for six weeks is is that's phenomenal. Very so it's six classes or yeah. Okay. It's a six-week so intensive week? for okay. 375. Okay. okay. And how, how, how many students in each class? It's uh, no more than 15. Awesome. I want to make so sure. Yeah. It's generally okay. between 10 and 15. And, I, yeah, I want to keep it very individualized so each person thoroughly gets something about them. And it's kind of frustrating to go to a type class and walk out with, like, you know, same thing for everybody. Right, right. Because right. everybody is unique. I mean, I really want to identify your uniquenesses. Cool. Cool. Um, That's great. Awesome. So, um Check it out, everybody. Beaworkingactor.com. Yeah, and the other thing, too, and you'll find it on Be a Working Actor, is I still do do headshots. I don't do them six days a week like I did years ago. but um, And I'm taking a unique approach to that, too. It's going to be shooting according to your type kind of stuff. Yeah, you did that in the workshop as well. You, yeah. Uh, and you yeah. took a really great shot of one of the guys there. And it was so quick and easy. You just asked him to think about what, his brother or something. Yeah. Something his brother. And he just... Yeah. You, caught, you caught the most organic kind of beautiful headshot of this right. it sort of made me mad to be honest because uh, I just took headshots and you immediately wanted me to, made me want to take more right not that I didn't like what my my head my, I thought my hedge photographer was a good photographer it's just that so many photographers are not um, like directors if you will or yeah. they're not they're not gonna like help you bring out you know whatever that quote unquote type is yeah. 
Well, there's a handful of, of agents out there too. They're like, I want 12 shots. They do exist of like the doctor and the doctor smock with the stethoscope. I want the, uh, oh, the guy at the barbecue outfit, you know, with the, the apron around it is like, really seriously? Like all your clients have the same 12 shots. Right, right, right. And they do. It's just like, and cast directors hate it. And we hate it. Photographers hate it. Sure, well, actors sure, don't yeah, my creativity and <laughs> yeah. find this person's soul and, you know, bring their personality. Yeah, out. yeah. So, well, we got to wrap this up, guys. <laughs> right on. Well, actually, one quick, one more quick question before we get to our final two. Um, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> right. Um, how does your stuff differ from Sam Christensen's stuff? Because I know he that's does actually the same a really good question. Kind of um, it, it some of the things are kind of a lot of the same stuff. I mean, he does typing as well. Sam, I, I personally love Sam. I've known Sam for years and years and years. Um, he used to refer a lot of people to me as a photographer. Um, Sam is uh, Sam's a lot about the art. He's really into like the Joseph Campbell the myth um, storytelling kind of stuff. What archetypes are you fitting into? I, I think it's really valuable stuff. It's very very artistic and, and and intelligent kind of stuff as well. Me, I tend to be a little bit more brass tacks. Let's just get down to the bottom line kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I approach things more from um, a simple practical casting aspect, where Sam approaches it more from the kind of overriding artistic standpoint. Um, I think it's a really good mix. I think it's a really good match between the two. Sam right. also believes in kind of coming down to a couple of single phrases that describe you. You know, and that's that's where the value of branding is. Um, mine, the way I like to do it is I like to take common used phrases. For example, I'll use my own in, the, in this instance. Um, nice guy. Um, nice guy is a very common casting uh, a type, a role. Mm-hmm. And then find a way to twist it. The evil nice guy. Because I do play a lot of this kind of dark, or the dark nice guy. You know, I mean, that little twist right there makes it more unique to me. And it takes a very common thing and makes it very specific. So when they start seeing those things together, that, that word is out there all the time, the evil or the dark best friend. That's right. out there all the time in, in all my marketing materials. So, and Sam does kind of the same thing. He'll come up with phrases like, you know, a big dog in a small yard that kind of defines you. So we have a lot of similarities in that, in that aspect. And it is, in the long run, all about the business and understanding how to promote and market and brand yourself. Right on. Do you feel so, like that, that that this kind of type work helps you more or less commercially? Like, do you, do you feel like it applies commercially no, as well? I as actually think it's I think it's equal of both because again, okay. it's so fast. With I really find this theatrical now. As you know, right? I do a lot of auditioning theatric. It's the same guys over and over and over. We all look basically alike. We all act basically alike. Yeah. You know, we all kind of take places. You know, I book it, and then the next guy books it, and the next guy, and then it's back to me. And you know, right. so it's. Yeah. It happens, and it's no different in commercial casting offices. The same basic guys are going out because it's so type-driven. The difference is, is commercials are appealing to markets. Like, they may want to say, we really want to hit the Midwest market with this advertising campaign. So they have to get people that fit that Midwest look. Sure. You know, or they want to go very international with this one, so they need to have a broad spectrum of international stuff. Mm-hmm. Television does that as well, but not quite to the extent that commercials do. You know, right on. But the, the same same rules, basic rules. I'm using the word rules. <laughs> the same guidelines basically right. apply for both. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Our last two questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> number one, we we always like to, we're always curious to know if you feel like this career or this line of work or this industry chose you, or whether you feel <laughs> that you chose it. That's a really good it's a, question. It's a, little, it's a little new agey, but no, I'm going to go. I'll go to the type stuff I talk about um, in my class. We do get into your psychological types and there are certain psychological types that find themselves inclined to go into you know acting or be artistic in some way of expressing themselves artistically um i think it's both i really do because my my 
childhood and the way I grew up made me just crave love. I really needed love. And it just seemed like this is the greatest way in the world to find love, get famous. Then everyone in the world would love me. <laughs> as dysfunctional as that sounds, it actually did give me a fair amount of drive to do what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I've always been artistic since birth. You know, it's just like that, that is just a natural thing that's in me. My psychological types sort of show that as well. Right now you can be a psychological type and have that generally is not inclined to the arts. They're more very internal. They don't really say a whole lot. They don't like to expose themselves or their work or anything. They'd rather be just kind of quiet and do what they do and go home and be very anal. Um, those kind of people can actually be good actors as well, right but on. they're not going to be as inclined to do as much. Right. I'm actually, I'll, I'll put it out there. Now. I'm, I'm trying to write a book called the, uh, I think I'm up to nine, the nine qualities of every famous actor. And there are certain things that keep popping to the top. It's not going to be every single one is consistent, but there are certain things that just keep coming to the top. Like I said earlier, um, just that drive to keep working, be that 1%. Right. I mean, that's a quality that's in most, almost every successful person I've ever met. Right. You know, there are certain qualities that do help. And some people were born with that. Some people develop that. So I'm a nature and nurture guy. Right on. Right yeah. on. Cool. Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Very uh, in-depth. Yeah. And the... The final question, and this is... You know what I just realized? We didn't even get to any of the self, self-producing self stuff I we want to talk about. Know, We're going to have to have you back, Mark. You, <laughs> you, too. you might be, yeah, you might be uh, 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 one of only uh, two guests in the history of the podcast thus far to, wow. to be invited back. Wow. Um, <laughs> because there's just so We're much... Just have so much good information. So much good information. I know, it's so much good stuff. It's Thanks, insane. Man. So we'll, we'll have you back. So it comes with age. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing it with us. Um, we, we'll, yeah, we'll have to have you back on the podcast. I think I think that's 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 going to happen. Um, maybe next year sometime. So, our, our our last question that we like to ask is: assuming this is possible, if you had in all your in all your experience and everything that you've learned over uh, you know uh, the course of your career and being on both sides of the camera, and you know just sort of all the things that you've collected, as it were, over, over time. Mm-hmm. If you had one thing, one sort of nugget of advice that you could impart to, because a lot of our listeners are you know, actors who are either just starting out or just gotten into L.A. or you know, uh, are sort of early on in their acting careers, um, what would that one nugget be? It, it's, it's a really good question. Um... I was thinking about, the, uh, I don't know why, I was thinking about driving over here uh, about my marriage. And I have a great marriage. I've been married six years. But I waited. Congratulations. Until, thank you. Um, I waited a long, 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 long time because I never felt I was ready to be married. But now that I am married, I can't tell you how much I've learned about life from being married. And even my classes, I just go, man, it's so appropriate. This like applies to even the things I teach. But it's the thing that makes my marriage work is the commitment. That's what makes it work. And somebody told me way back when, it said, um, it, it, love doesn't keep a marriage together, commitment does. Because sometimes love goes. It's just out the window. It's not even there for a good three years. But the commitment is what makes it work. And it's the same thing for acting. It's, it, and I, I mentioned before we started this whole thing to you guys, you know, one of the mistakes I made is I, I got focused on so many different things. And one of my regrets is I wish I would have just focused on acting. Um, if I was committed to that one thing, Fully, I probably would have been farther along in my career now than I than I am, and I think that's that's the key right there. 
And it's not like like you guys. We've been joking. It's not focus on the rules. It's not read every book there is to be said about acting and, and you know and how to do it perfectly and and casting and and whatever. It's it's just focusing on doing it because the greatest thing is like at this point in life I realize acting is it's just fun. It's just having a great time. And I've had people go, no, if it's fun, you're doing it wrong. That's BS, man. It's 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 fun. If it's fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. What kind of messed up yeah. thing is that? Those I won't say who it is, away. but there's some pretty wow. successful people. Somebody very very influential in this town told me that. Wow. And it was basically his note of like, get out of the business because uh, I don't like you. Is really what it came down wow. to ultimately. Oh, okay. But um, it is fun, and it's being a kid, and it's all that stuff that we did when we were six years old with like trucks and dollhouses and you know whatever. It's, it's being a kid and just pretending and having a great time doing it. Because ultimately, we have to entertain people. We have to be likable. And the more fun you're having, the more entertaining and the more likable you are. So it, it, it took me a long time to realize, well, that's the roots, man. It's like having, it, going into auditions should be fun. Yeah. You're playing around with the cast and director, having a great time with them. You know, it, it's fun. Wherever that is, it pays off. So stick with those roots, man. Just stay committed. Tell the stories you want to tell. Do the things you want to do. Keep focusing on acting. It's that commitment, 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 commitment. Never give up. Because the people that don't give up are the ones that make it. You know, I, I guess that's kind of in a nutshell what I would probably say. And don't get locked into the rules. Just just don't. Amen. Wow. Dude. <laughs> I feel like we could just like end the podcast I know, on that note, like forever. forever. Like never do wow. another episode. That would be the last thing anybody ever heard. It'd be legendary. <laughs> Someone uh, somewhere along the way is going to go, I wrote that in my book. Mark was just saying it. <laughs> he didn't come up with that. Hey. Um, well, no, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, I definitely think we'll, we'll have you back uh, at some point to kind of talk about. Uh, Thanks, I know you do a lot of self-production stuff, and I'm, I'm sorry we didn't get to it. But uh, Yeah, because that's a whole other hour of, of conversation. That's true. Well, we have talked yeah. about that with a lot of our guests for an it hour. We do, we do talk about a lot of uh, DIY stuff on the podcast. And just so. to throw this in there, it's the one thing you have the most control over. You know what I mean? You're yeah. not waiting to, for a cast director to cast you. You're not waiting for you could just go and do what you want to do. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do it how you want. Well, we, and do we it. and we yeah. we we're big advocates of it. You know, we encourage people to do that. Oh yeah, um, me too. And we have our own theater company, and and you know, we're talking about starting a production company. So we're yeah. definitely big advocates of that. So we'll have to have you back because uh, this was fantastic, and you've got just so much to share. And um, I am gonna not be able to sleep tonight. I think. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, quit I, it! I gotta do. So, I gotta do something for my career. You'll sleep like a baby. <laughs> Welcome back, and you know, I hope you're digging this uh, Redux as much as we are. I know I am listening to it with fresh ears. I know Trev, you made that joke about us being, you know, young and and uh, a little bit um, doe-eyed, you know, when we did this interview. And it's it's kind of true because things are sort of blowing our minds that are are just have over time become part of you know how we approach the business. That being said. Um, I'm still getting, I'm still getting a lot of value out of, uh, you know, hearing it again yeah. with, it, uh, the perspective that I have now. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was going to say the same exact thing, hearing this interview again through new ears and new eyes, uh, you know, almost like five years removed now. Um, yeah, I'm having a completely different experience with it. Different things are coming up for me. Different ideas are popping into my head and I'm, I'm taking many different things away from it than I did before. So new possibilities all around. So, um, I'm really happy to bring this back. I, I, I did speak to a listener recently who said something like, um, uh, 
basically alluded to the idea that like, oh, you guys, you know, you, it's good that you have such a huge backlog of interviews so you can fill in the gaps when you don't have guests scheduled, like new guests in, in the can. And I, and I was like, no, actually, like we've been wanting to bring this back for a long time and it just happened to be the perfect time. So, yeah, we we have like three interviews in the can right now. Like we're scheduled for like the next like two and a half months, three yeah. months. Yeah. So it was just a, a, a you know a timing thing with with having not only uh, you know Robert Clendenin's story and and him being such a specific type, but also the the workshop you know story. anyway. It's, it was just, there was a lot going on and, mm-hmm. and people asking about this idea or these ideas specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, what's your uh, pick of the week? So my pick of the week is it's hard to explain. I don't know if I if I should call it a movement or a group or a, a viral video or what, um, but it's it, it's this group of folks called the the Liberators. Sorry, the Liberators. Um, they were started actually uh, first in Spain, but uh, by an Australian guy by the name of uh, Peter Peter Sharp, and uh, Peter's actually from Perth, which is where Jasmine is from. And uh, Jasmine sort of follows them and follows what they're up to and um, managed to get in touch with them. And they are uh, actually in Los Angeles. And she hooked them up with a a friend of ours who actually has another really great uh, podcast, um, Mark Shapiro. Yeah, the one and only, right? Yeah, so we ended up, We not only was Peter on his podcast because he interviewed him yesterday, but they're staying at his house. We all had dinner together together last night. It was this beautiful, beautiful uh, conversation that went on for hours and hours. Um, it was really great and, um, uh, you know, really supportive uh, for um, myself and and Jasmine and, um, and Mark. And I think Peter and Jay got a lot out of it as well. But uh, <clears throat> they basically do these <laughs> – the easiest way to explain it is if you've seen these viral videos going around of people doing like random – uh, you know, almost like flash mob dancing in subways, or the the viral video that went around with people um, making eye contact for extended periods of time with complete strangers. <laughs> Creepy. Or yeah. um, or the one where uh, someone stands uh, with a blind wearing a blindfold, saying, "I trust you. Do you trust me?" You know, if so, give me a hug. Those kinds of videos. These were all started by the liberators and they've sort of spread and other people have done their own social experiments in their own towns. And so if you if you go to their website, you can see a lot of their work um, so that we put their website in the show notes as well as their Facebook page. Um, so not not only did I want to make them a pick of the week because I love what they're doing, what they're up to, um, the, 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 the difference that they're making in the world, but I also um, would love to encourage people to get involved because this is certainly something that is global. Um, mm-hmm. Because not only can you get involved with something the liberators are actually doing um, in the present, um, they're they're here in LA. They're going to San Francisco next. They're going to come back to LA, and then they're going to New York. So if you're anywhere in those places, those major cities or nearby, you can sort of join them. But not only that, you can take these ideas and put the ideas, put the experiments into play on your own in your own city, and potentially make a big difference in your in your town. They were they were telling us stories about how people in like the middle of nowhere in Iowa were 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 taking on some of their experiments and how it was having a huge impact on these communities that wouldn't necessarily otherwise think this way. Um, so it's really, really cool. Um, wow. And 
would encourage you to uh, either check them out, join up uh, the next time that there's a, a, a meeting uh, near you or an event near you, I should say, um, and then uh, you know maybe even try out one of their uh, social experiments in your town. Hmm. Wow. So it's it's like um it's like a improv everywhere meets the love mob. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Improv everywhere meets like, yeah, transformation and emotional intelligence mm. and, and, and spreading love and, and human connection. I yeah. love that. I mean, I, have you ever experienced anything like this personally? Have you ever been caught yourself uh, in, in the midst of one of these uh, acts or, or seen it uh, firsthand? I wish I have not. The, I mean, the closest I can I can even come to is is you know uh, performers on the subway in New York, but they're all busking, right? right. And, and and one of the things that Peter uh, and Jay do when they first you know with, one of the first things they say to sort of disarm people immediately is we don't want your, we don't want any money. We're not doing this for money. We don't want your money. We're not here to make money. We're just here to spread love and joy and human connection. And then they bust out, you know, dancing on the subway in Perth or something. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what they're what they're up to and what That's they're cool. what they're creating. You know, it feels like there's more and more of this kind of stuff happening. Maybe that's just my awareness expanding, but it, it, I don't know. It, does it feel to you like there's more of an effort uh, on on the part of the general populace to go to extreme measures to create connection with strangers? Well, I, I feel like the tools are there more now than ever between social media, between the fact that we're uh, you know constantly carrying around really high quality cameras in our pockets and people wanting to sort of push the boundaries of, uh, you know, what's possible in this space. Yeah, I do. The, the interesting thing is, is we're at the same, you know, um, for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. For uh, So at the same time that this envelope is being pushed in this direction, we're also seeing a huge movement toward um, – uh, 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 nationalism and 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 segregation between you know the Brexit vote and yeah. Donald and Donald in, in in the UK and or in Europe and then Donald Trump here in the United States you have this huge movement uh, in the opposite direction uh, uh, of dividing human beings mm -hmm. so it's just really interesting that these uh, that this is a new sort of um, extreme access. Yeah, I think this is really cool. And, and you know, I, I spend a lot, I realized recently that I spend about 85 to 90% of my waking hours sort of thinking about the future and, you know, renewable energy and, and you know, like what's going to happen? Like we're, 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 try, we're trying to live infinitely in a finite world, a world with finite resources. And, and I, the more I turn it over in my head and think about it and read about it and write about it, the more I come back to the idea that, that we're going to have a revolution of some kind. We have to have a cultural revolution of some kind to move to a way of living that is not nearly as uh, destructive um, as it is right now to you know other life forms and also to the planet but i i really i keep coming back to the idea that the revolution will be personal like it's not going to be some technology that saves us it's, it's going to be a tipping point of enough people thinking a new way seeing each other as as one part of a connected whole and i know i sound really new aging hippie right now but i i 
I've thought about this so much and I, I always come back to the same thing. Like it's going to have to be everybody learning to meditate, <laughs> everybody yeah. learning, everybody learning to, you know, see past the, the exterior of another human being or another life form, a farm animal or, or a, a wild animal or whatever it is, or a plant and, and just start to see themselves just in a different form temporarily. And so when I see this kind of stuff, I'm like, the revolution is happening. (laughs) I get so stoked about it because I really do believe it will be personal. It's going to have to be a personal revolution. Our leaders aren't going to do it. Technology is not going to do it. It's going to have to be enough people uh, proactively connecting with each other in a deep and profound way and and thinking in a new way. You know, that's going to be the thing. It's going to be a whole new uh, paradigm of thought that we're going to have to collectively adopt to to get to the next level. I think that Peter and Jay and the Liberators would say that is absolutely, if not their main mission, a huge part of their mission. Mm. That's awesome. That's, I yeah. love that. All right, cool. Well, um, complete contrast to the deepness of that conversation my pick of the week is uh is an app called the rock clock um created by the one and only dwayne johnson the rock and i have to give props to uh Derek, uh a good friend of mine guy in my challenge group kicking ass with 22 minute hardcore uh he introduced me to this app and it's it's essentially it's an alarm clock um, and it's sort of got a, a unique style to it. But the, the sort of neat feature to it is that, number one, all the ringtones were sort of created by The Rock. So about half of them, you can actually wake up to The Rock, like talking to you or singing to you or something funny or something motivating. And the other cool feature is that there's no snooze button. So you, the idea is to learn to get up and get after your day right away without hitting the snooze button. And it's part of this like larger... Um, larger sort of initiative he has going right now. So if you go to Project Rock, projectrockofficial.com, you'll see that there are four projects that he's working on. The first one was like a bunch of uh, bags that you could buy to carry your workout clothes and lunch around and stuff. Those sold out like incredibly quickly. The second one is this app, the Rock Clock. And then there's a third and fourth project that are yet to be announced. But I think this is cool. And I've started following the rock on uh, uh, social media, Instagram, you know, stuff like that ever since I started using this app. And I have to say he is one hella inspiring guy up to some amazing stuff. And I have uh, been getting up at 6 a.m. without hitting the snooze button for like three weeks now because of this app, The Rock Clock. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. And it's, you know, it's it's just, it. I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. So I thought I'd make it my pick of the week. That's so cool. And I thought, I, yeah, I think it fits in nicely with the morning ritual thing that we've been talking about, too. Right, right, yeah. Dwayne Johnson's been uh, incredible uh, recently. He... Um, he sort of came out, if you will, uh, as as far as having depression, like, and it was all over. He was on the the cover of a couple of different magazines and, and did some interviews all about um, how he has um, battled depression. Oh my and god, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, was really candid about it, and it was um, it was actually hugely inspiring uh, to myself and to Jasmine. It was one of the things that sort of inspired Jasmine to to, to finally open up about her own battle and and mm. <clears throat> share that with um, with the world. So he's he's meant a lot to um, our household. Um, mm. This is this is really cool. Yeah. Uh, 
he's he's uh yeah he's I, I think he's a great guy yeah and he's got a youtube channel that he just he's launching very soon and uh there's like a trailer for <laughs> for like his youtube channel you can go to his channel i think it's just youtube.com slash the rock and the trailer is like completely like over the top hollywood production and uh it's really funny and i just that wow i have a whole level of whole new level of respect for him knowing that about his depression and his and his um transparency with that yeah, I mean, it took, really it took him a long time, but but once yeah. he did, it, it made a huge impact on him and on, on other people who are struggling with it. So Yeah, that's that's <clears> really <throat> the way, I mean, I don't chronically suffer from depression, but I've certainly been in funks for weeks at a time. And uh, the way through it is to just be open and vulnerable to people and just be like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of worthless right now. And, you know, you don't have to be fishing for compliments or anything. You can just, just saying that sometimes and having somebody really hear that is, is extremely powerful. Yeah, I'll be talking about that a little bit more next week with my pick of the week next week. It's about naming it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's about naming it because you, you take away its power, its power when you name it. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's end this episode so we can get to next episode faster. Because <laughs> I, I am excited to talk about that. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, the rock clock from uh, Senor Alget and uh, the Liberators. Um, my my pick of the week. Um, all right, man. Cool. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our director of public relations. Trevor Algott, that's me, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. And the contagious Fern Lim designed our logo. <laughs> Uh, you can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and, and listen to all of our episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And on iTunes, if you leave us a little review, especially those five-star reviews, if you'd like, you know, it's like, it's like putting a little tip in our tip jar because it helps other people find the show. Mm, absolutely. And I can't think of something that gives me more more warm fuzzies than seeing, you know, words of affection publicly displayed on such a (laughs) a major platform. Uh, Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. And a big thanks to you, our listeners. If you guys love this show and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and support its continued production, it's really easy to do so. You can sign up as a member and get really cool perks. You can get access to our membership message board, cool freebies like, I don't know, t-shirts, invites to exclusive (laughs) member meetups. There's a couple different meetups that happen a few times a month at this point. It's actually pretty cool. Brunches and movie screenings and um, um, DIY, you know, movie making outings. I mean, Stefan Goldbach, a longtime member, just recently completed his short film that he made with all members of, of the of the membership for the podcast, and it screened in New York at a film festival. I saw a cut of it. It's um, it's amazingly well done, considering how complex it must have been to shoot. I was just like, he plays four characters in a car. Like, can you imagine the editing like difficulty and the directing difficulty? And then he pulled it off beautifully. I was. I thought it was so cool, and it was all inside acting members that made that happen. So that's just one of the many cool things that you'll get when you sign up as a member, plus just knowing that you're you know, making this thing happen every week. So if you'd like to join the family, visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And from there, it's pretty self-explanatory. 
<laughs> well, that's it for episode 240 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, don't just scratch the dreams.